Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Lord, we thank you, God, because today you have an incredible word for your people. I pray that you prepare the hearts of those that are here in this place. I pray that you would speak to them, transform them, renew their minds, Lord. And I pray that they would leave here to be used, that you would provide them and give them the fullness that you have prepared for them, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Serving the Lord for over 20-some years, I've learned so much about the things that have been a hindrance in my life and have been a hindrance to attaining the Lord's best in my life. And I've seen the Lord where he took me out from and how he rescued me and, and I knew the life that I lived and I see the blessings of the Lord throughout the years in my life as a young man and, um, and, and then being, becoming a, a husband and then becoming a father and then having children. And, I, and at times, um, I allowed things to be a hindrance for even God's best to be a part of my life. And I know that the Lord takes us through these, through these journeys, the good, the bad, the ugly, so that we can learn from that, so that we can tell the next generation this is what I went through. This is what I experienced. And so today I want to share with you how to attain God's best. Or better yet, how to not allow a hindrance to come into your life that would allow you not to get God's best. You want to get God's best for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, a verse you hear all the time. It says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. He's got plans for you to prosper you, he, he, to, to not harm you, but to give you a hope, to give you a future. He wants it to be in control, and he has the very best plans for us. And so we can't make God move in our life. No matter what you want to do, we can't make God move in our life. But we can make room for God to move in our life. So that we can attain his best. Today I want to share with you three things that we allow into our lives that will rob us from God's best for our lives. And it's important to know that because they're evident in our life. So that they don't rob us from God's best. These are three habits. These are the greatest robbers of attaining God's best. Number one. Is complaining if you're taking notes. How many of you know of an incredible complainer in your life? Just raise your hand. It's okay. Or if you've ever known of somebody who really complains. I know a ton. Where all they do from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to sleep is just complain, complain, complain. Maybe that was you and you didn't want to raise your hand. You're like, it's me. You know, and, and so. But to some of you, complaining is like it's a habit. It's just... It's ingrained in you. It's just, it's who you are. You complain all the time. Sometimes you don't realize how much you complain. We complain about waking up in the morning. I got to wake up early tomorrow morning. We complain about going to school. Oh, 
tomorrow's school. Tomorrow's Monday. Work. It's, it's, uh, it's Monday again. Instead, we are to praise our God that we have a job. Amen. We complain about the traffic. Look at this. I'm going to be here an hour and a half in traffic. This guy doesn't move. And we complain, we complain, we complain about the weather. Oh, it's raining today. Oh, look at the sun. It's so hot. We complain about our phones freezing all the time. I need a new one. We complain about politics. We complain about our spouses. We complain about our in-laws. We complain about our kids. Maybe that's a valid one. We got to complain sometimes about our kids. No. No, thank God for them. Bless them. We complain when it's too hot in church, when it's too cold in church. All the, eight, all the people that do air conditioning in this place, they all get all the heat for it. We constantly complain that we don't have enough money. Instead of praising him that you've never lacked any food or any clothes on your back. But, to, but some of you don't even believe that, that he's blessed you, that you don't have the clothes on your back. Because some of you woke up this morning, stood in front of your closet, and you had 150 articles of clothing in front of you. And you said, I have nothing to wear. Some of you have got shoes stacked up in your closet, brand new in boxes. I don't have shoes. You got to look at your closet and say, thank you, Lord. You've given me too much. You've blessed me so much. And as long as humans have been on this planet, we've been complaining. And it all goes back to the garden. And so... We started from the very beginning when the serpent tempted Eve. He ate of, she ate of the fruit, gave it to her husband. The Lord comes down and says, what are you doing? And he says, it's the woman you gave me. It's this defective woman that doesn't know what she's doing. It's her. And complaining started from the very beginning. She's messed up. That was our complaint. Job had one of the most trying and challenging lives ever. He went through so much. And he said, I am disgusted with my life. And he said, let me complain freely. Let me vent, please. I am disgusted with my life. He says, my bitter soul must complain. See, when you've got bitterness in your life, complaint will come out. So get rid of that bitterness. And complaining and complaining, I'm going to tell you something. It won't get you anywhere. One thing I've learned is that what do you gain by your complaint? I've, I've told this to my kids. I've told this to people. What gain do you get? And I fall myself into that as well. When I hear myself, I'm like, Kenny, what are you gaining by the complaint that you're saying? Nothing. In fact, it's stealing your joy. It's stealing your peace. You get frustrated and, you're, and you fail to attain God's best. I'm going to tell you why. Because if there was one group of people in all the Bible that they were notorious for their relentless complaining, it would be the Israelites. And so the Israelites, these were people that lived as slaves for 400 years. They were tortured. Listen to this. They were tortured. They were mistreated. They were abused, and they had one prayer for 400 years. Oh, God, deliver us. 
oh Lord, please save us. That was their prayer for 400 years of torture. God raises up a leader. He brings, he sends 10 miraculous plagues. He breaks the will of Pharaoh. Pharaoh lets them go. Pharaoh changes his mind and sends the army after them. They're at the edge of the Red Sea with no escape, nowhere to go. The Lord parts the Red Sea with his omnipotent power. He sets them through in dry land. The, the enemies, he, he, he drowned all the enemies behind them. And as you read the scripture, you see God showing up over and over again in their life. God provides for them. God protects them. So they're finally free for 400 years. Listen to this. They're free for 400 years of this oppressive bondage. They get to the desert and here's how they react to God's provision. Exodus 16 verse 2. It says, there too, look at their response after what the Lord took them out from. It says, there too, the whole community, that is everybody, everybody, everyone of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. Verse 3, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. The audacity to say that, to say if only the Lord had just killed us back there in Egypt. There, when we were back there, we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. And now you brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. I wish I could have gone there and say, listen, have you forgotten what these people did to your wives, what these people did to your children, how they tortured you, how they mistreated you, and how the Lord took you from that and set you free. And then you complain about what the Lord is doing in the season that you're in. Don't forget where he took you out from. When you find yourself in the middle of your complaint, remember where the Lord took you out from. Remember the bondage that you lived in. He set you free. Complaining grieves the heart of God. And you know how I learned that? I learned that as a father myself. Because my kids, when they were little, they were at times little spoiled brats. Anybody who's had little children, you see them. You work hard. You sweat. You do whatever it takes to give them the best. You go the extra mile. You sacrifice. You take them to Disney World. And then they get there. They cry because you couldn't buy them the ice cream. Are you kidding me? They have no idea. The only thing they know is their little juice boxes, their little lunch box, their little school, their little... And they don't know what it is to pay mortgage bills. They don't know what it is to pay utility bills. They don't know any of that. They don't know the sacrifice that it takes. But they live their life like that. And it grieves the heart of a father. Like, man, what do I need to do for them to appreciate? For them to, to, 
to be grateful for what they have. And if it grieves our heart and it grieves your heart, imagine what it does to the heart of God when he gives us even more than we give to our own children. He gives, it, he gives us in an entirely other level. Numbers 14, verse 26. Fourteen Numbers 14, verse 26, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? How much am I going to put up with, this, with these people? That all they do is complain. I've given them the most. I've, give, I've gone the extra mile. I've blessed them. I've, I've provided for them. I've protected them. I love them. But they still complain. They're not satisfied. And later on, it says that by no means they entered the promised land. The land that, they have, that he promised them. He says, I've heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Your complaint will hinder you from attaining what God has promised you. And we can't make God move, but we can make room for God to move. And we make room for God to move when we take ourselves out, when we take our complaint out. Now there's room for God to move in our life. And we need to stop complaining. It's not going to gain you anything. In fact, it's going to hinder you. You want the blessing of God to be in your life. I think all of us want to be blessed. I think all of us want to have a blessed marriage. All of us have, want to have blessed children. All of, us, all of us want the provision of the Lord in our life. We want God's best for our life. And for the people we love. But we are the ones that caused that hindrance. We're the ones that cause that restriction of God's greatest in our life, God's fullness in our life. We prayed for a bigger house for years. Our kids were outgrowing their beds. I had three boys in one room. Brian's feet were dangling out the bed already. And it was, it was, it was, it was our prayer. It was our desire. And we were, we were content with where we were at. And so he blessed us because I believe it's because we were content in the state that we were in, in the condition we were in. And so the doors opened. The Lord gave us a, a bigger house, and, and it's a two-story house now. And I'm going up the stairs. I'm going down, and I'm like, man, this stinks. I'm tired going up and down, up and down. No, the Lord showed me that these stairs are a blessing. They give me exercise. Lord, thank you. I don't go to the gym. We need to, don't ever curse the Lord's blessing in your life. Don't ever curse the Lord's blessing in your life. We need to intentionally challenge these complaints in our life. We need to challenge them. We need to open our eyes, say, Lord, examine me. Every moment I complain, you know that we, this is in us. When, when we're shopping for something, we're shopping for a car, and you're shopping for a specific car, you see that car everywhere. 
that car that you're shopping for, the color, everything, you're like, I, now I see that car everywhere. And, and as I was preparing for this message, it's like now the Lord's opened my eyes. I found myself this morning complaining there was no milk, there was no this. One of my kids complained about this and that. And, you know, I want the word of God. And, and that's the Lord's heart, that the word of God will open your eyes now. That the moment you see yourself complaining, from the moment you walk out of this place, maybe you're complaining that it's too hot right now. Whatever it is, maybe you're complaining that you're hungry. Or the moment you walk out, you find yourself complaining. Turn that complaint into praise. And thank God for, the, for what he's given you. And not for what you don't have. Because what you have is so much greater than what people in this world don't have. God's blessed you abundantly. We are a blessed people. Every day we have a choice to either complain about everything or we can praise him for all he's done and all he's given us. Turn that complaint into praise. That's number one, complaint. I got two more. Number two, the second thing that would hinder you from attaining God's best would be excuses. This is the greatest enemy of change in your life. If you want change in your life, you need to stop the excuses. Excuses will stop you from the Lord changing your life. He's got a great plan for your life. He's got a great future ahead of you. The enormous amount of complaints, or sorry, the excuses I've heard from people that don't want to give their heart to the Lord, that don't want to turn over their marriage over to the Lord, they give excuses upon excuses, and there's no change. Of course there's no change, because there's excuses. And so, going back to the story of the people of Israel, and the Lord calls upon a leader, God hears the cry of his people. He hears the cry 400 years and he calls on Moses. Exodus 3 verse 9. Let's read that. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Verse 10. So he's telling Moses, this, come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. This was God's call on Moses' life. And in the next verse, Moses says, I'm not qualified. We're not going to read it. We could put it up there. But he says, I'm not qualified for this task. I'm not, I'm not the one that can, can make this happen. You've, you've picked the wrong leader. And in the next verse, God's response is, it doesn't matter who you are. I'm going to be with you wherever you go. I'm going to be right there with you when you're in front of that enemy to free my people. Believe that. Step into faith. When I call you, don't give an excuse. And this was his excuse. Excuse number two he gave, he says in verse 13, he says, I don't know enough. He's like, I don't have all the answers. I don't know what to say. You got, again, you got the wrong guy, God. I don't know what to say. 
When I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What am I going to say? I don't know what to say. And God's response to that in verse 14 He says, I'm going to tell you something, Moses, you tell them I am who I am. I am everything that you need. You don't need anything else. You just need me. I'm going to be with you. And in chapter 4, verse 1, his next excuse is, what if they don't listen to me? Okay, I'll go talk, but they're not going to listen to me. I suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. And and, and, and the next several verses, we're not going to go through them. But he says, when I'm finished, they will listen. For the next six verses, he tell them, listen. And and God gives them this big explanation that they are going to listen to him. That they will change. He's like, trust me, they will listen. Verse 10. He says, I've never been a good speaker. I mean, by now, I would have slapped Moses in the face, burned him, and goodbye, I'll find the next leader. God's got a little bit more compassion than I do, or a lot more. He's, I've never been a good speaker. I stutter. I have a stuttering problem. And his response in the next two verses says, I love it. Go to verse 11. He says, who made your mouth? Huh? Who made your mouth? Did you make your mouth or I made your mouth? And in verse 12, he says, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. When the Lord instructs you to share the word to someone, you don't know what to say. Man, the Lord's going to be your mouth. He's going to give you the words to speak. If he's instructed you to do something, you go do it. If he puts you in front of somebody that needs to know about the Lord, you speak to them. Don't give excuses. Don't say, what can I make an excuse of not to share my life with them? He's with you. And and maybe you've related to Moses because maybe you said, I'm not qualified. That's not me. I'm not called to do that. I I don't have, I don't even know what to say. Uh, um, Maybe that's you. And the Lord is teaching you today, showing you today to open your eyes and say, don't give excuses, but trust in me. I'm the one that's calling you. So trust, walk in that call And I'm going to take you from glory to glory. I'm going to take you from victory to victory. But you must trust in me. If I've called you, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to instruct you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to give you the wisdom you need. I tell you, it's a miracle that I'm standing here sharing the gospel. You don't know what the Lord did in Kenny's life. I would have never thought. In a million years that I'd be up here, standing here, sharing the goodness of God. Where would I be if the Lord hadn't saved me? I love the song we sang, thank you Jesus for the cross. Where would I have been if it wasn't for Jesus? And because he saved me and rescued me from the life I lived, I want to devote the rest of my life for him. And as as a young man... 
I may have not been perfect, but I was so devoted to pleasing my God. And I said, Lord, help me. You know, in, in areas of my life that don't please you, please break them. Please surround me with the right people in my life. And I've, and I've seen myself give excuses. And I, then because of those excuses, I've seen myself miss out on things. And I learned from that. Don't give excuses. Don't give excuses to God's call for your life. You say, I can't come to church. I've had such a super long week. I don't want to serve in any ministry. Just, I just want to come to church with my family. And then we want to go have a good family lunch. And then just enjoy my family time. The Lord's called you to serve, my friend. Don't give excuses. I'll tell you, excuses boils down to selfishness and an unwillingness to obey. I'll say that again. Excuses boils down to selfishness and an unwillingness to obey. We don't want to obey. We don't want to do what the Lord tells us to do. And we're selfish. We want to do what we want to do. And I'll tell you, excuses are going to rob you from attaining God's best for your life. And that's not God's plan. We read at the beginning that God's plan is to prosper you, to give you a hope, to give you a future. He wants to make sure your future is secure in him. That's his purpose. That's his plan. He's come to give you life in abundance, John 10, 10, life in abundance for your life, to give you the very best. Let's walk in that. Don't you walk, want to walk in the blessing of God, in the fullness of God? Then put away the excuses. Put away the complaining. Sometimes I've seen people that are living in really bad circumstances. They're going through a lot. And it can be easily changed if they would just get focused and do what the Lord's calling them to do. But then they say, no, no, we're just praying right now. We're just waiting on God. No, God's waiting on you. Take responsibility for what he's called you to do and what he's entrusted you with. The Lord's entrusted you with so many areas in your life. He's entrusted you with your family, with your spouse, with your children. He's entrusted you with your finances. Take responsibility for that. Oh, I'm just waiting on the Lord for my wife to change. No, take responsibility. Say, that's my wife. You've entrusted me and her. I need to be a good man. I got to be a godly man. I got to serve her. I need to show her who Christ is in my home. Man, my children, I just, I'm going to be praying that my children change. That's good. Pray for them. But take responsibility. Don't give excuses. They're just teenagers. They're just, they're gonna, that's it. When they're teenagers, they just do whatever they want. No, they don't do what they want. As long as my teenagers, I got teenagers. I know how tough it is raising teenagers in the house. As long as teenagers live under my roof, there's an order. You don't follow that order. Get ready. I'll start reading what the Lord did to the people of Israel. You have no idea. Jeremiah's excuse to God's call. Jeremiah 1 verse 4. That's right. There's a father in this house. Amen. 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 
says, the word of the Lord came to me. This is Jeremiah. Verse 5. We're going to go all the way to verse 10. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And, and you know what? Put yourself, as this is God's command for your life. I formed you in the womb. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I called. I had a calling upon your life. Verse 6. Then I said, Jeremiah said, Oh, Lord, behold, I cannot speak. I'm, I'm, I'm a youth. You know, maybe when I'm older, I'll be able to do it. I'll be more mature. I'll be more wise. No, this was God's call for you when, I'm, when you were a youth. Verse 7. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth. Don't give an excuse that you're too young. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. And I remember as a young man, I was 17 years old. I was, I'm the youngest of eight in my family. And I, 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 at times I even thought, hold on, I'm young. How can I tell all my older siblings that are five years older, 10 years older, 20 years older than me, how in the world can I tell them and my parents what the plan of God is for their life? What the purpose of life is. The young kid. I'm just a youth, Lord. No. He's saying, don't say that. He's saying, I'm going to be with you to deliver you, says the Lord. I'm going to be with you so that you can have the words to say. I'm going to use you at a young age. I'll tell you, by the age of 18, I was having Bible studies with all my family. The young man in the house was having a Bible study with all the older people in the house. Asking questions to me. And it wasn't Kenny that was doing this. I get no credit for it. I'll tell you something. I just made room for God to move in my life. I said, okay, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm going to make room for you to come in and change me. I'm going to make room for you to move in my life. And the Lord started to move in my life. And it wasn't an easy road. Years later, as they started to see my, my wife, my children, now it wasn't any more speaking. Now it was showing them the life that I was speaking, the life that I was preaching. But the Lord was using me from a young man. And many people watch your life to see how you will fail. So don't give excuses. Be relentless about your faith. Don't stop. Let's keep reading. Verse 9. It says, the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Verse 10. I have set this day, I have this day set you, I've appointed you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. That's God's calling on your life. That you would tear down what needs to be tear down you would root out what needs to be rooted out and that you would go build that you would go plant life in people's life he's appointed you don't let excuses rob you from attaining God's best number one was complain complaining number two is excuses number three is comparison 
or shall I say the curse of comparison? Because this is a curse. It's not even a habit. It's just, it is really a curse on our lives. Because it's, it's a matter of the heart. It's not even the actions that we say. It's really, it's a, it comes down to what's in our heart. John chapter 21, here is, here is Jesus with his disciples. He's here with Peter. And in verse 18, listen, listen to what the words of Jesus to Peter are. He says, I say to you that when you were younger, you girded yourself, you clothed yourself when you were younger, and you walked wherever you wished. But I'm going to tell you something, Peter. When you're old, you're going to stretch out your hands, and another one is going to clothe you. Another one's going to carry you where you do not wish. Verse 19, then he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. In other words, you're going to die a horrible death. It's not going to be too pleasant, but it's going to be glorifying God. He was already talking about him being a martyr for Jesus. And when he spoke this, he said to him, follow me. So you're Peter, and you hear your master telling you, all this stuff, you're going to die this horrible death. And in verse 20, this is Peter. He, he looks, he says, he says he's turning around and he's looking around at his disciple, at the disciples. And he said, and he, and he points at, at John and he says in verse 21, he said, but Lord, how about this man? How about this guy? Is he going to die a horrible death too? Verse 22. He started to compare himself. And Jesus said to him, if I will that he remains, that he lives, to the day that I come back, what is that to you? You follow me. Period. Quit. Comparing yourself to others. Just follow me. Just trust me. Trust the work that I'm doing in your life. Don't worry about what is it to you what I'm going to do in someone else's life. Verse 23. Then this saying went around, it went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. This is what he said. He says, if I will that he remains till I come, then what is it to you? There's already rumors going around because you started to compare. See what that causes? You see what that leads you to when you start to compare? And that's not the end of it, what it leads you to. When you compare yourself to someone, you're going to either feel inferior or you're going to feel superior than that person. When you compare your house to someone else's house, it's either worse than your house or it's better than your house. It's either or. It's not going to be identical. 
when you compare yourself, when you compare your job to someone else's job, it's either worse than or it's better than. When you compare your marriage to someone else's marriage, their marriage is either better than yours or worse than yours. So it's either, you're either going to leave from that assessment inferior or superior. And that's what it causes you to do when you compare. And we do it all the time. In fact, comparison produces anger towards God. Because we say, God, why are you blessing him and you're not blessing me? And comparison opens the door to the enemy. Oh, he wants to have a feast with that. James chapter 3, verse 14. Look at this. It says, but if you have bitter envy. By the way, envy is the root of comparison. Envy is the root of comparison. So it says, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Verse 15, this wisdom, in other words, this envy, this comparison does not descend from above. It's earthly, it's sensual, it's demonic. That comparison, that envy, it's pure demonic, doesn't come from God. It comes from the very pit of hell. And we've allowed the devil to entertain that area in our life of comparison. What about him? What about him? At times we're in a group setting and there's someone that's in... in that does the same thing I do, they come in and say, man, the Lord blessed me with this business deal and we're booming and we're this. And you could say and compare yourself to them and say, what about me? Why isn't God being faithful to me? Instead, we should have the heart saying, man, thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. I'm proud. I'm happy for what the Lord's doing in your life. You know, many times the reason that we're not being blessed is because we're not blessing others. Do you realize that you not wanting God to bless someone could be the reason that it's stopping God of blessing you? You should be the first one excited when something good has happened to them. Instead of saying, oh, well, how come something good is not happening to me? You see, jealousy and envy is what happens when you compare others. Jealousy has to do with people. Envy has to do with things. And so this is what happens when we compare ourselves. Jealousy and envy. And I'll tell you, the reason you compare is because you lack the acceptance of what God made you to be. We lack that. We've, we've lacked the acceptance that God made you 
how you are. He's saying, Kenny, you follow me. You trust me. I'm going to bless you beyond your wild imagination. Your eye will not see, ears will not hear. It won't even enter into your heart, Kenny. The things I have prepared for you, just follow me. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Don't compare yourselves with others because then you're going to miss out on what eye has not seen nor ear has heard. And that's a, an incredible hindrance, if not one of the greatest hindrances, because we spend our entire life comparing and trying to be like something else instead of being what God wants you to be and live according to what God's given you. And we're, we're jealous of people, but we're envious of things. And those things come in our life. When, the, when those things come in our life, guess what happens? Confusion comes in our life. And, and, and like we just read, every evil thing, every evil work abounds. When we start to compare. That's a dangerous thing. I pray that today your eyes would be open, that the moment you start comparing yourself to somebody else, open your eyes because that's where every evil work abounds. It doesn't come from heaven. It's earthly, it's sensual, it's demonic. Open your eyes. And let it remind you anytime you see yourself in that, I've done it myself. And today, this word isn't just for you. It's for me to open my eyes. Any area, I want to take that out because I want more and more room for God to come in. I don't want anything stopping God's best for my life. And it could so easily happen. We could be so blinded by it. We could be so blinded by our complaint, by our excuses, by our comparison. Comparison goes back to the garden as well. Satan got Adam and Eve to compare themselves to God. God had, has something you don't have, and if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. You'll compare to God. You see how that came from the pit of hell right at that moment? That's where it all started. Covetousness is I want what he or she has. I want her life, I want her family, I want her husband. I want his life because I don't like the one you gave me, Lord. I want his job. I want what he does because I don't like the one you gave me. I'll tell you, it's ingratitude at the highest level. You're not grateful for what the Lord has given you. You follow me. I've got a purpose for your life. I don't like what you gave me. I like what you gave him. That's covetousness. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. We're going to learn a lot from this one here. Romans chapter 1 verse 21. 
It says, because although they knew God, God did not glorify him. They, I'm sorry, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like incorruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. They started to create their own images, their own gods. They started to worship their own, their own images. Verse 24, therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Verse 25, who exchanged the truth of God Listen to this, when you, when you compare with others, you exchange the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature, the creation, rather than the creator who is blessed forever. When we're envious of other things, of the creation versus the creator, we exchange the truth of God for a lie. So how do we eliminate comparison in our life? Completely eliminate it. Let's go back to verse 21. I think it's important to learn what they didn't do so we can know what to do. It says, although they knew God. Does everybody here know God? They knew God. But they didn't glorify him. So glorify him. Lord, I give you glory. Nor were they thankful, Lord, I thank you for what you've given me. I am content with what you've given me. They became futile in their thoughts. Lord, renew my mind. Renew my way of thinking. It's, it's, it's demonic. You said it in your word, it is. The fact that I compare myself with others and I'm not satisfied with what you've given me, I've got, I got a screwed up head. I've got a screwed up mind, a way of thinking. Renew my mind, Lord. Those three things can change your life. Glorifying your God. Thank you, Jesus. Thanking God. Praising God. Praising the Lord, thanking him, and renewing. Lord, I've got the wrong thoughts about this. I need your wisdom. I need your word. I want to follow you because that's what you're commanding me to do. Follow me. And so that their foolish hearts were darkened. I don't want my food, I don't want my, I want my wise heart to be filled with life. And that's God's heart for your life. Philippians 4, verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need. For I've learned in whatever state, in whatever condition I'm in, no matter what I have, maybe I don't have the house that my neighbor has, I don't have the car that my coworker drives, 
That's not important. Whatever condition I am in, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be satisfied. We can overcome the curse of comparison by choosing to glorify God, focusing on our gratitude, and by filling our minds with the word of God. Let's stand this morning. I pray that this word today has opened your eyes. I hope that you opened your ears to hear God's word, to hear God's voice for your life. And that you would open your eyes in every area of your life where you find yourself giving excuses. When you find complaint creeping in into your life or you find yourself in a situation where you're comparing yourself with others. Oh, what God can do in you and through you if you would stop making excuses, if you would stop complaining, if you would stop comparing. You need to turn that complaining into praising. You need to turn your excuses into taking responsibility for what God's called you to do and what he's and what's been entrusted to you. And you need to start, you need your complaining to turn into contentment. Lord, I want to be content. And like I said in the beginning, we all want God to move. And you can't do anything in your power to make God move. But we can make in all our power to make room for God to move. We can decide to say, I'm not going to allow this. I'm not going to allow that to be a hindrance for God to move in my life. He has plans to prosper you. Plans to give you a hope and a future that is secure. If If that is you today and you relate to any of those areas... Would you just raise your hand today? Any of those areas that you just want to give to the Lord. Let's close our eyes. And right where you're at, be real with God. Say, dear Lord, here I am. Forgive me, God. I know I've failed you. I know I've messed up. Tell him. I want to stop. Whatever it is you have, I I want to stop complaining. I want to stop giving excuses. I want to stop comparing myself to others. You've got a perfect plan for me. You've got an incredible purpose for me. You've got an incredible future secured for me. And I want to walk in that because you tell me, Lord, to follow you. I want to follow you. I don't want to look to my left or to my right. I want to set my eyes on you and your purpose in my life. Lord, I want to bless others when you've blessed them even when I don't see that same exact blessing in my life. I want to rejoice with those that rejoice. Give me a heart like that. Renew my heart. Renew my mind. Take out the filth out of my mind, all the junk. Set my mind on things above. Set my mind on your word. Set my mind on your promises for our life. And not to anything around us. Not to anything earthly, sensual, and demonic. But everything that is from above. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this word. Thank you for opening our eyes. We open our hearts because we want a new heart. We want change to occur. We want your blessing to flow. We want your blessing to fill this place, to fill this church. We don't want this church to be a complaining church. 
We don't want this church to be a church filled with excuses or a church that compares this ministry with others. That's not who we are. That's not who we want to be. We want a church that would glorify you, that would thank you, that would follow your vision that you have for us. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this family. Thank you again for the pastors and the leaders of this place. Give them wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You're all dismissed.